Take off your pants. Unleash your true self. Real unicorns don't wear pants. Oh, hey, money-making unicorns. How the fuck are you today? I have a present, another present for you. And it comes in the form of Eleanor. And Eleanor and I actually met when we were doing another podcasty kind of thing together. And we kind of started this little sidebar conversation <laughs> that was like taking over the rest of the podcast, which I realized is kind of fucking rude. And so we were like, maybe we should take this conversation elsewhere. So that's what we're fucking doing today. So Eleanor, please tell us who the fuck you are and why the fuck we should listen to you. Oh my gosh. There's so many reasons why the fuck people should listen to me. But I think if you are an entrepreneur, so I'm a business coach. I have a company called Sappy Media. And um, over the last like six years, we've gathered well over 25,000 data points on women business owners, like how we make decisions, how we set goals, how we grow our businesses, the things that work, the things that don't work. And everybody is a unicorn. Everybody is a magical unicorn, 100%. And even unicorns have like habits and they have milestones and they have these things that they do that often make them successful. And they have these, you know, pitfalls that can often come up at certain parts of their journey. So for me, being able to kind of gather that data, analyze it, and start to be able to talk to entrepreneurs and people who care about women entrepreneurs about, hey, here's how women entrepreneurs often develop. Here's the milestones we go through. And at each stage of this journey, there's often some key decisions that you probably need to prepare for and you probably need to make. It just helps to kind of demystify the whole process of growing a business, the whole process of reaching your goals. So I would say that's like a big reason of why the fuck people should listen to me. There are others, but <laughs> that we'll uncover those in due course. <laughs> I mean, this is the concept, right? Is that everyone is special and no one is special. <laughs> totally. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, I and think... it's so interesting. Yeah, go ahead. Go I ahead. think that we get into this idea in our head that it's like our problems are so fucking unique that nobody could possibly help us. And that's just yeah. not true. Like when you are an expert and you take a look at somebody's unique situation, generally you find that it's not that unique. And you can either be super bothered by that or you can like take comfort in the fact that like somebody has already solved your problem. Like your problem is is totally solvable. Somebody already has the solution. It's just a matter of you being willing to execute that solution to get you where, where you want to fucking go. Exactly. And I think that's the big thing, right? Like stop being navel gazing, get over yourself. And often <laughs> like when we're struggling with our problems and I know we're supposed to create really safe spaces where we can just like, and that's what we do. But I heard this expression once, which is story fondling. So like, imagine you have this cute little kitten and you're just patting the kitten and patting the kitten. Like that's how people act sometimes with their problems. They're like, oh my God, my problem is so cute. And they just don't want to move beyond it. And that's the scary thing sometimes about, you know, when you start to work with folks who've seen a lot of different types of businesses. And it's not like, you know, I don't think folks like you or I, like we have a ton of respect, you know, for people and for the process. But it's also like when you've seen you can have the perspective to quickly help people think bigger, see that this problem that they're experiencing is normal. Um, there's there's some real clear paths for how people have dealt with this in the past that you can try. And you know what? Go find new fucking problems. Like, don't get <laughs> stuck with old ones. Find new ones that are more interesting. 
<laughs> um, give us an example of a really common, like old problem that you see all the time that people think is motherfucking special. Yeah. That, <clears throat> it's just so special. Okay. So one of the biggest problems, so like when you look at why, and I know you work with all kinds of money-making unicorns. I pretty much only work with women. And so if you look at like, like more and more women are starting new businesses all the time. Like you, you started like what, three years ago? Yeah. Which is crazy. You know what I mean? You <laughs> you really are a unicorn. So you started three years ago, but more and more women are starting businesses all the time. And usually it's not because they see this big gap in the market. Like they found this next big invention. It's off, we're often starting businesses because we're like, hey, I want to create a different way of living. Mm-hmm. And I have these real gifts and I'm going to use them in this way, right? So we start businesses like that. And then um, that's all great. And then you start making money. It's like, this is awesome. And then typically what happens is you max out. Like you have tons of work uh, and that's great. But you're starting to feel like, wow, I traded one boss for like 50 bosses. <laughs> you know what I mean? If you have like 50 customers or clients. And that is one place where a lot of times people are like, oh, you know, this sucks. And if I grow more, like I don't want to grow. I don't want to have big financial goals. I'm just going to, you know, it's too stressful. When really that's a common rite of passage where you go from being a service provider, you know what I mean? Or a one-on-one consultant to being a product developer where you start to develop communities or products that are able to have impact in lieu of your hours. So that's like a very common way. It's just a milestone of development that a lot of service providers go through that they think is really unique to them, but is actually a classic milestone of entrepreneurial development. Yeah, shifting out of the trading time for money. I mean, it's entrepreneurial like 101, right? And 100%. it's something that I, I have the same thing with my clients where it's like they have this big long story. They have a cute little kitten that they want to pet, right? And tell yeah, me this big thing totally. about like how difficult it is for them for whatever reason. But the fact of the matter is, is that, you know, when I work with thousands of clients and I've heard that story thousands of times, <laughs> right? Yes, it's, yes. Like, it's the same story. And so it doesn't mean that you're not special. It means that your problem is not special. And when you can yes. stop having like that thing where it's like, my problem is special, you stop putting your problems on pedestals and you just start creating solutions to them because you realize that they are a dime a dozen and everyone has the same fucking problems. And there's already like yeah. literally a, a solution in a box. So <laughs> totally. And can we also not talk about the fact that problems are not bad? Right. <laughs> like having problems is not bad. And if you look at them as bad, good, have fun going broke as an entrepreneur. Yes. If you look at problems as bad, like have fun, enjoy yourself going broke because you just keep meeting new problems and they keep, you know, they, the nature of the problem changes. I can remember like before I did this, I was a business journalist. And so it was super fun. Like I got to interview just so many entrepreneurs about how they were growing their business. I got to be super naturally nosy, asking them all about <laughs> what was challenging, what wasn't. And I can remember talking to this guy and he had like a real estate company. He, You know what he did? He developed trailer parks. Yeah, That was his okay. thing. That was his niche. He developed trailer parks and um, his business was booming. Yeah, And so he basically kind of, I don't know, he 5X'd his business in a couple of years. And this was like going from multiple millions to multiple, multiple millions. And I'm like, walk us through, like walk us through that experience. How have you changed? You know, is it fun? Do you feel proud of yourself? And he looks at me and he's like, 
You just trade one set of problems for a different set of problems. That's that's it. You know, it's just you move the decimal over and you trade one set of problems. So I really took that to heart because I realized personally all the places in my life where I would get into a new level. You know what I mean? I would take a step up and I would experience right away problems. That's just what happens. Like you go from NCAA basketball to the NBA. And all of a sudden, you have a new set of problems. You have to get your shots off faster. Everything is happening at like three times the speed. So your problem is that you're too slow. You know what I mean? If you see that as a big problem, good luck getting better. If you see this problem as just, hey, this is just part of, this is part of life. You know? And so that's where I find like so many entrepreneurs, I'm like, get over, like, listen, resilience, friend, problems are real. They just, you're, I mean, do you have problems? Yeah. I mean, we all have fucking problems. <laughs> I have fucking problems. They're just, you know what I mean? They're just like, these are the problems that I wish I had 10 years ago. Now I have them. Next year, I'll have problems that I used to yearn for. You know? It's like... <laughs> no. And it's this thing too, where if you realize that when identifying a constraint is a win, because if you can't identify a constraint, you can't fucking alleviate it. So finding a problem is a good thing. And when you get better and better and better, it's harder to find the problems because you're like, I'm doing all the things and I'm not getting where I want to go because the problem is a tiny little pinprick. It's not like this gaping hole like it used to be where it's like, I don't have a fucking audience. Like that's a pretty (laughs) obvious fucking problem, right? The problems get smaller and therefore harder to find. And so actually the skill set becomes how do you, how good are you at finding problems? Oh my gosh. Mic drops. So true. So true, Nicole Cherie. You know what? I, yeah, and that's such a nuanced way of looking at it. And it's totally true. Like, and it becomes, and then, and don't you hate when you identify a false problem? Fuck, like, dude. This. And you're down like, a rabbit hole. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That was not it. And not only that, then you have like three people, you know, it's not just you taking 20 minutes. It's like, no, no, no. There were a few people who spent a few days and you're like, listen, those are, you know what I mean? The problems, they just, they change. Yeah. And it's a different game. But once you stop pretending like you're going to get to some income level and there's not going to be a problem, like I think that that's how people feel in the beginning, right? It's like, well, once I'm making X amount of dollars, insert your fucking poison here, right? Like once I'm making this amount of money, I'm not going to have any problems anymore and my life is going to be so easy. And it's like, eh, that's not really what's going to happen. And you're also creating an externalization where you're putting your future self on a on an impossible pedestal of saying, my future mm-hmm. self doesn't have problems. All of our future selves have problems. It doesn't change. And so it's understanding that you're actually a lot closer than you actually think you are yeah. <laughs> as soon as you accept that problems are part of the fucking game. Uh, 100%. And I mean, the thing is, you know, I can remember doing that. And I remember I had like, when I get to this revenue level, it was just a big milestone that I had for myself. And I was really pumped. And then I got there and I celebrated for like, you know, 20 minutes. Um, as we, as <laughs> that's a long does. time. I'm surprised you did it for that long. Right. I was, oh, listen, I'm focused. Okay. Next level <laughs> celebration, 20 minutes. And the funny thing is that I got depressed. I went through because so much had been focused around reaching this place. And then I got there and I was like, this oh. is it? <laughs> yeah, this is this is it? Like, oh, okay. And I really had to... And, and it was such a fascinating time, like looking back at, at that whole experience. And it really taught me how even though intellectually I knew that we wouldn't, I wouldn't stop having problems, I was still invested in this belief 
that once I got to this place, things were going to be perfect. And so, yeah, I, um, yeah, that's, that's, and that also reinforced the fact that it's the, it's the game that's fun. Like the game of growing things, of making something out of nothing, of creating a vision and then putting in the work to make it real. That's a huge part of the prize. I mean, the other stuff is fun too, but that is such a huge part of it. It's understanding that prom, the prom night, you get to prom, you guys, and it's just a fucking shitty high school dance in a (laughs) shitty high school gym. (laughs) That's all it is. What What you actually love about prom is getting ready for prom. Yes. And like, there's so much pressure on that night for everything to be perfect. And then you realize that it's just in your high school gym. (laughs) That's how it was hitting a million bucks, right? Like I didn't even notice. I didn't even notice. Like I didn't know that we hit a million dollars because I wasn't paying attention. (laughs) I was trying not to die. Right. Um, But like that, that's it. Right. It's like, you have this idea in your head that it's going to be the perfect prom night, the perfect wedding night, the perfect seven figure moment. And you're going to, you're going to pop champagne bottles and get your golden balloons out like <laughs> like the big hat manifesting girls. I was really I was really upset that I didn't get like a knock on my door with like a publisher like clearinghouse giant check and like mm-hmm. confetti and a pony. Like that's what I thought was going to happen. <laughs> that's what should have happened. I'm so sorry you missed that moment. You know what? The 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 hat wearing the the brown felt Belt hat yeah. uh, influencer girls. They totally had that moment. They made it for each other. Next time, I'll bring you. I'll bring you the donkey. <laughs> okay. When I hit ten million, I want the fucking Listen, pony on my door. <laughs> fucking donkey. Okay. Everybody, you guys heard it. I'll find a way. What I love so about sad. watching. What I love about watching your Instagram is like you're so you're so matter of fact, right? Like there's so many people on fucking Instagram that are like just flowing around like flitting little fairies. And I'm like, you bitches, this is not how you're actually acting while you're making money. I know this, right? No, like, exactly. <laughs> like this is not how you actually look. You you do not do coaching calls in your fucking lingerie. Fuck off. Right? No, you don't. You don't. You do it. You do them in your athleisure because you have so much going on in order to get your stuff done, right? I'm like, this is how it happens. I think, you know, and I feel like... um I remember for a long time being like, you know, growing up there was Barbie and now Barbie, like there's been a resurgence of Barbie. Everyone loves Barbie again. But for a long time, Barbie did not represent feminist power. It represented, here's a standard that you're just not going to reach. And so it was about perfection. And I remember being like, oh my God, Instagram is basically, is like, uh, is entrepreneur Barbie. Yeah. So entrepreneur Barbie, you know, she doesn't break a sweat. It's really easy. She, it's, it's full of, this is my favorite, it's filled with ease mm-hmm. and filled with, you know what I mean? And those things can be true. Like thing, you can definitely choose a harder, more complicated path. And there's definitely ways to make it more simple and more ease filled. But I don't know anybody who's, make, who's actually making money and ju- not just pretending that they are. Um, and that sounds meaner and cattier than it's meant to. I think that the people who are, there's people that I personally know, and I'm like, I can personally attest to the kind of money that they're making. And yes, they have, they take care of themselves. They, you know, do all of those things, but they're putting in the effort. You know, they just are, and they're certain they're, they face challenges and they have to deal with things. And I feel like it's so important for us to be honest about what the path is really like. 
And that's what I love about your Instagram is that it talks about like what's really happening instead of yeah. like this, this filtered out version of it. Because yeah. the fact of the matter is, is that things do get to ease and flow after you yeah. build the fucking system, right? Like exactly. after you build the pipe for leads to flow through, they flow, yeah. but you had to have yeah. built the fucking pipe and building a pipe meant digging a ditch and it meant long, hot days in the sun and, you know, putting concrete in and getting your hands fucking dirty because that's how you build out the pipeline. And so yes. I think that people only want to talk about the ease and flow that happened after the fact. And then yes. when you go and try it yourself, you're like, this isn't easy at all. Maybe I'm doing it wrong. And so you make yourself wrong for there being a challenge in building a fucking seven figure business. Bitch, of course it's challenging. <laughs> like, <laughs> If you think that making it to a million dollars was just like something that like I did you know, while I was lounging around my lingerie playing with golden balloons, that's not what was happening. Right. And yeah. so I hate, I hate that that's how it's painted because it makes people feel wrong and bad about themselves when they try yeah. and they realize that's not how you do it. Totally. And then it can make them feel like it's not worth it. You know, I should, you know, I should, I should have this by now. I should know this by now. Um, and it can cause you to prematurely abandon your goal. And I mean, that's typically one of the reasons that businesses don't make it or that people don't reach their goals because they just abandon them too early, yeah. you know, and that's because of expectation. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. False inflated expectation. And creating this idea too, in your head of like, am I cut out for this? Like I hear people say that yeah. like a lot, right? It's like, well, maybe I'm just not cut out for this. And it's like, no, no, like it, it, there is no like cut out. There is no cardboard cut out. There is no entrepreneur Barbie. Yes. Like you cut yourself out for this. Like that's yeah. how entrepreneurs are made is that we're yeah. scraping off the resistance of who we used to be and the patterns of the nine to five to create something bigger and better and better. But like, you're not just like built for it. Like you no. build yourself into it. And people don't understand that. It's like, if I don't just push this button and make a million dollars, I wasn't cut out for it. It's like, that's that's yeah. not really how this fucking works. Like when you look at your, yes. clients, when you look at your like successful clients, the ones that are, you know, I see your things where it's like, people are making seven figures. They're doing the thing. Yes. Like what yeah. do you see in like the pattern? Like what do they have in common yeah. with each other? The people that get there. So one is uh, speed of implementation. So they will take a little bit. Of, they'll be discerning about deciding, you know, is am I going to do this or am I going to do this? Like they they do, they make a plan, but then it is speed to implementation. So they fucking act, you know, like they decide they're going to do something, and by the next time you check in with them or the next time they show up, it's done. That is like when I see that, I know. You know what I mean? I'm like, oh, for sure. And so I think speed of implementation um, is really huge in terms of uh, you know my clients who are who are successful. The other one is that, and this is interesting, they um, they are not quick to they delegate the right things first. So one of the things that I have found is that sometimes like, you know, a lot of that my entrepreneur clients who do, who generate the most revenue the fastest, um, they understand that for a long time, they'll probably be the best salesperson their company has. So they delegate a lot of other stuff, but they stay close to the sales conversion process. So an example, like, you know, one of my clients, um, she, she was doing like one-on-one -on -one coaching and she was so good at what she did, but she was like, I'm getting seriously burned out. Um, but when you make 
big dollars doing one-on-one coaching. It's kind of like in the 1990s when there were the supermodels and Naomi Campbell was like, I don't get out of bed for less than $10,000 a day. And like, I remember (laughs) that was like this huge thing, right? Yeah. But for a lot of leadership coaches, that's, they're like, I don't get out of bed. If for this ring dingy amount of money, no to to my, this five hundred dollar course, oh never. So it's hard to create an offer that. But she created this offer. It was like a fifteen thousand dollar you know uh, incubator type of thing. Um, she did no funnels. She didn't really like she her like big audiences weren't her thing. She did two outreach calls every day. She did two outreach calls every day and she literally generated 500K in revenue just from that offer. You know what I mean? So it's like, you know, it's like, it's really about being willing. So taking action quickly and then being willing to um, stay engaged in the selling process to do some of that grunt work. Like two, you know, you could say you should have outsourced that. I'm not sure about that. She out, there was a lot of other stuff that she was able to outsource in her business to create the kind of space where then for whatever, 20 minutes a day, she just did a couple of outreaches and was really able to generate a lot of revenue for that offer. So I guess the big habit there is like, you know, implement quickly, um, be humble, not modest, like be willing to do some of the gritty, unglamorous work uh, that really drives results. I have a friend who pulls in probably like, I don't know, a couple million personally from her business every month. And she's like, you know what? Every day there's like, I have like an hour of activities that are so fucking boring. Like they're mind numbing, honestly, but they work. And so my whole challenge as a person is to, I've tried to outsource them. It's not, it's not that convenient. My whole thing as a person is, am I going to be disciplined to do things that I don't really want to do? You know, like how many practices did Serena Williams not want to go to? I mean, all of she them was because it's with, tennis. <laughs> right, exactly. Like, why would you ever? Sounds You awful. know what I mean? Like, you don't, a tennis player does not stop practicing their serve. You don't advance beyond a killer serve. Like, you, there's no advancing beyond that. And sometimes as entrepreneurs, we're like, oh, I shouldn't do that. Oh. I'm like, you've been listening to too many leadership coaches on LinkedIn. <laughs> <laughs> and those people don't even have clients. <laughs> They don't have teams. Okay, they're the reason. Anyway, we could. I will. I will always stop right there. I'll no, stop right there. I mean, for me, this is something that I found challenging as being someone who grew so quickly. Right in growing yes. so quickly, I have a lot of coaches. I mean, I've worked with a lot of different coaches because I grow yeah. so quickly. I outgrow coaches. Yes. Quickly. And so when I'm working with them, one of the things that I find is that they always want me to get out of my business. They always say that to me. And they're like, look, yeah. you have to like do less, you know, and it's, it's very like, especially the female coaches are very much in like the yeah. do less, be more. And like, I get this, I respect this. And I, I do believe that there's a time and a place for being and all of those things. But my business is only three years old. And like, I understand that like, it looks like my business is 10 years old because I have systems, I have a team, I have millions of dollars, I have thousands of clients. Like, I understand what my business looks like. 
but understand that I've only personally, me, been doing this for three years. When I trained bartenders, I told them they were babies until they'd been doing this for five years. <laughs> okay. So like, and that was bartending. It was making cocktails. Yes. Like, and I yes. told them, I treated them like absolute children until they were five yeah. years behind the bar. And I look at yeah. myself and I'm like, I am a child in this industry. And so mm. I need to have, I need to play with my blocks. Like I need to have my hands on my, on my toys to really understand how this works. Like I need to put the shit in my mouth, right? <laughs> like, I, need, yeah. like, I need to do that. And so many coaches try and get me out of the business and yes. they're like, get out. And I'm like, I'm not ready to get out. Like, because I don't feel no. like I fully understand it. And I don't outsource shit that I don't understand myself because that's um, how you should 100%. outsource. Exactly. And that's, that's called being a sitting duck. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? yeah. From my perspective, you know, and you learn that through doing it. You're like, well, damn, I'm not going to do that again. Because then you don't know how to evaluate performance. Mm-hmm. You don't know, are they full of shit or do they actually know what they're doing? You know, for instance, I love what you're saying. I feel like we share a little bit of like this old school vibe. Like it used to be this thing, right? Where you're like, you have to know your business. Yeah. You have to know what the fuck is happening in your business. You do because the devil is in the details. Like stuff gets, you know, you can, I remember I started my career working in advertising. And what we always said there is like, you could have great creative, i.e. like great creative ideas that would win the business, but the business was always lost through account service, through the details, right? Of like somebody didn't, you missed your mark. You didn't quite, you know, and you have to, yeah, I, I fully, I'm the same way. Like I fully believe that the freedom comes through building great systems. Those great systems come from really understanding the customer experience and being in the trenches with them. And I see lots of folks who are like, get out of your business, get out of your business. I'm like, you don't, I don't, I uh, appreciate the message and I appreciate the call to think that way. Um, But yeah, you got to play with your blocks. I 100% agree. I mean, I think it's okay to like get out of your business after you do these certain things. Right. And so it's like, it's not just walk out, (laughs) right? It's like build a system (laughs) that replaced you before you walk out. And like, just like we were talking Mm. about in the beginning is like, when you are running a multi seven figure company, like the whole, the problem is tiny. It is, it is so small that you cannot fucking see it. You have to like feel it like braille. Right. And you're not going to be able to do that. If you don't have your fingers on the pulse of your business, like you're not going to be able to feel those things. You're not going to be able to, to identify the constraint to be able to alleviate it because you've already outsourced everything. Right. And so like my step up of like outsourcing is like, I'm in that thing of like, okay, I'm going to learn this inside out and backwards. I'm going to fuck it up. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to fuck it up. I'm going to make some mistakes. And then I'm going to slowly replace myself with either a person, a software, a system, whatever, and allow myself to then reflect on it until it works by itself. And then once it works on on itself, then I'm going to go, I'm going to go find a new fucking problem. (laughs) Yeah. I know, (laughs) right? I'm going to go do that. We still have them. Don't tell anybody. I won't tell. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. It'll be my next Instagram story. (laughs) My next reel. Talking about a real life problem. I so, you know, I, and I, I agree. I think like we need so much realness about the process because here's the thing. Like I can remember I started my first business when, when I started my first business, it was in 2003 and entrepreneurship was not cool. Now it's very cool. It was not cool. And I remember back then, um, people would look at me with pity 
because they were basically <laughs> like, oh my gosh, that's so sad. She's underemployed. <laughs> she's, she's underemployed, so she has to start this business. So it was like, you know what I mean? It was not the same as when I started on <laughs> Literally. And I, I was like, and maybe I think I should thank them because I get really motivated by revenge. <laughs> so I built my like, first million dollars on spite, bitch. Like, right? <laughs> Only spite, like, go fuck yourself. Okay, go fuck yourself because this is what uh, being underemployed can do. Okay, <laughs> no, trust me, dinner's on me. Dinner's on <laughs> yeah, me. Thank I you. got this. I'm not even gonna let that check come to the fucking table. <laughs> I'm gonna make you think this dinner was no, free. <laughs> exactly, right? Oh my God, so funny. So tell me, because obviously you coach a lot of people, but what is it like coaching a lot of people, being where you're at, having the success you had? How are you finding being coached now? I think this is something people don't fucking ask in interviews. People should ask me this in interviews and they never fucking do, right? But it's like, what is it like to be coached when you're at this level? Yeah. Oh, I love this so much. So the difference I think is that, um, so for me to be coached now, I'm more likely to work with a couple. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. To work with a couple of different, because I don't expect anymore that one person's going to have the be all end all. I remember earlier and often because I could just afford to work with one. (laughs) (laughs) This is literally all the money I have. (laughs) Uh, Just kind of, you All the money and all the credit I have, it's max. Exactly. (laughs) This is for you. Exactly. Now help me. So, um, so now, yeah, I, I have a different perspective. So I, I'm much more like, um, I have less stars in my eyes. So I look at people like a human, like a colleague. I'm like, this is a really great person. They're going to be able to help me, but it's not like the be all end all, even though I generally execute almost everything they say as an experiment. Yes. I'm like, okay, I'll try it and I'll see. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I'll, yes, I'll try that. It's done. You know what I mean? All of the energy is, it's done. And then I evaluate. Um, I evaluate it after. I don't do a lot of dickering around evaluating beforehand. Mm-hmm. You know, so that typically is like, you know, one thing um, from my perspective. I implement a lot faster. Um, and for me, I'm always looking, like I said, I usually work with like a couple people. So typically I want somebody who's like a high level visionary thinker um, to really kind of help sort of, you know, um, help me see three steps ahead. But then I also like to work with somebody who's very hands-on and tactical mm-hmm. or their programming is so that it can be easily handed over to a team. Mm-hmm. You know, um, those are some of the things that I think about. How about you? I mean, I definitely had like the romance thing in my head. I'm like this one person that was going to be the end all be all for me. (laughs) Yes. They're going to change my life. (laughs) And then I found her and I put her on my team. Right. No, I love it. (laughs) It's like, she's like literally like my, my work wife, right? Like I grabbed Liz and I found her and I, I, she helped me so much with codependency because like, Man, I, was, mm. I had some fucked up shit going on, right? Like, I mean, boundaries, I, I literally like didn't know what that word was. Like, I, yes. like, I didn't know what that meant. <laughs> boundaries. I thought I just did everything for everybody all the time. That's not time. that's not what coaching is. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So I found oh, her yeah. and I put her on my team, right? Yes. And so now she's that core integral piece. And so it's like finding a coach yeah. that worked really well for me and then giving her to my clients so that she can coach them on the things that I'm obviously yes. not qualified to coach on. <laughs> 
I love that <laughs> right? so much. And you can focus on growing the business. Yeah. And so then I can yeah. stay in the business implementation. And so then like when I get coaches now, like I, I went through this like romance period of trying to find the one. And then now mm-hmm. it's like, I understand that doesn't exist. And so I buy in shorter, shorter snippets. And so I find yes. that for me, I outgrow coaches really quickly and I get bored yeah. very quickly because I'm like you, I implement. Yeah. And so it's like, I take everything that they have like out of their yes. soul immediately and implement yes. it in 90 days. <laughs> yeah. And then I'm bored. Like, I mean, I totally yes. coach. Like I, I, I absorb coaches. Like I used to date. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I find I that it. works for me. <laughs> like, yeah. You know, it really does. Yeah. Well, I agreed. And I think there's something about like, I'd be so interested if you've ever had a predictive index, like a PI done. Um, and so... I don't know what that I is. Have, what is a predictive index? Oh my index? God, predictive index. So it's basically like, how do you how do you work? How do you get stuff done? How okay. do you... So it's a little bit like a Colby, but it's like, you know, so for instance, I bet you have super high sense of urgency and drive. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Which is like what I would share. Um, and so like, you know, if I learn something, it's go, it's imp, it's being implemented before I'm even finished learning about it. Yeah, yeah. Like it's that, you know what I mean? It's and it's happening immediate. You can't bear to know better and not do better immediately. It's like painful. It's like this gaping wound that you need to. Sometimes people don't understand that. By the way, they don't understand like those people are annoying. <laughs> I know they're very annoying, and it's exhausting because you have to slow down your whole natural way of being in order to like hold space for them. You're just like, I just can't do this. I just can't. And that's why I think, you know, you do have to hire, but I bet you're like super, super high on that as well. I mean, I can hear it. It's obvious in what you're saying. You would have so much fun with that. Yeah. I can't stand it. If you know something is wrong and you're not fixing it, like, bitch, how are you sleeping at night? Right? Exactly. (laughs) I have to fix it. (laughs) I know immediately. Like it will, exactly. It's got to be done. It's got to be done. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Agreed. Okay. So how are you like, what's your coachability like though? This is Mm. something that like, for me, I've gotten so much more coachable because I (laughs) am incorrigible in a lot of ways. I'm a fucking bitch. I'm laughing so hard. Oh yeah. (laughs) So were you, were you less coachable before? Absolutely. Oh my God. I could not listen. I could not fucking listen. (laughs) (laughs) That is so funny. And it makes like, just kind of, that makes sense. I'm picking that up. I love that so much. Um, So I think I had the opposite problem. Oh, I think yeah. I had the opposite problem. Yeah. So I've been a good student. Like, I don't, I, I, I don't know if you were a gold star student. Like, I'm gold star I was, student. but I was a bitch. <laughs> like, I, was like, I had like straight A's, but like, I remember walking into my fucking, my government teacher, right? And she was pretty cool, right? And I walked in and I was like, look, what I would love to do, I'm in high school. I'm like, what I would love to do is I would love to just take this test because this is my morning class and I would like to go snowboarding in the morning. So is there a possible way that I could take the test ahead of time? And then you would know that I'm qualified to just take some days off when it snows. And she let me. (laughs) Yeah. Well, that's an amazing teacher. And that is so bold. Oh my gosh. I wish I'd had that boldness. So I was like, yeah. So I was extremely coachable. Um, And when I'm in that you know, like highly, highly coachable from day one. Um, I think the I think that um, sometimes being super highly coachable is also a code for not believing in yourself oh, at a deep, deep level, right? Yeah, and so um, I would say that's been the biggest difference because the problem is that if it starts to take you away from what you truly want, and so that's why I think like as a coach, you want to make sure you know as you 
that you've surrounded yourself with the people as you have, or like the processes that, so that the, the active development brings you closer to who you are versus further away. So I would say that like earlier on, I could sometimes be a little too coachable in that I would, um, I would adopt what they were teaching me, but sometimes some of my own natural style flair charisma, like how I would express myself wasn't as strong. So um, that happens less like that. It, that doesn't, it has happened less and less. And now I don't think it really happens at all. Like, yes, I'll, I'll you know, relationships influence how you show up for sure. sure. But I, um, I have such a strong sense of who I am and what the world of my business is like that um, nothing really fucks with that. Mm-hmm. That unfuckableness. Yeah. I mean, I had that the other way, right? Where like yeah. I had to learn to soften to yeah. be able to even entertain the idea that somebody else could be right. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like I had to like get- I'm just thinking about your parents right now. Oh my god, <laughs> your mom. Bad. It's like I remember I was hard as a teen, like your mom. My mom is my is one of my clients. Because <laughs> that bitch doesn't know. <laughs> That is the best. Yeah, she's oh in my, my top gosh. tier program. <laughs> oh my God. I love that so much. Oh my gosh. She's yeah. probably like, this explains so much mm-hmm. about raising my child. <laughs> yeah. now, now I understand. <laughs> yeah. Do you have kids? I do. I have um, a 17-year-old son and a 13-year-old son. Oh, we are very close. I have oh, really? a I have an 18-year-old son and a 13-year-old yes. daughter. Oh my gosh. I love this age. Like Me too. It's funny. Yeah, it's like maybe one of my favorite ages. There's there's so much independence. They are they're so like, funny. Yeah. They're so <laughs> funny. They're so fun and funny. Like I love to hang out with them. I didn't like my kids when they were babies because all they did was cry. But now as teenagers, all they do is talk shit. And I really like that. <laughs> it's really funny. They're like, so funny. Really funny. Yeah. We were uh, we I were know. in the drive-thru. I... We were in the drive-thru at In-N-Out Burger. And this is, you know, like, probably two years ago. So Penny's like, you know, like 11 and just getting her edge yes. to her, you know? And like, Gosh. so she asked, she asked Nathan. She's like, Nathan, what do you want to be when you grow up? And he says, well, I don't know. He's like a very lax kid, right? He's like, I don't know, maybe like a stand-up comedian or something. And she's like, Mom will never be proud of you. <laughs> like my whole life is just a stand-up comedian show because my kids are so fucking funny. I I mean, I love teenagers. Oh I love teenagers. When these ones grow up and move out, I'm going to foster teenagers because I fucking love them. You just need it. to. They're so entertaining. Like they're so, they're so entertaining. They are, um, yeah, it, I absolutely love happy teenagers. I, you know, babies are so cute and cuddly. And that's like you're bonded to them, but it's tedious. I know it sounds they're so ne- traitorous to say that, but it's like they're needy. The bed. Then you have to like take off the ones. Then you have to. You know what I mean? It's like it's not for me. It's not for me. No, no. I don't like babies, and I don't like babying my clients. I like teenagers. Yeah, I just right. I'm like I will joke with you. I will joke with you, and I will raz you. Um, and I will happily do that and also like teach, but no baby. How has being, how is being an entrepreneur and like being successful? How does this shape your parenting style? Like when did mm. this happen? Like in the parenting thing? Cause my kids kind of yes. got like half poor me and like half yes. me now. Right. Yes. It's so interesting. Like I would say that the way that it's impacted my parenting style is 
um, a huge part, you know, of entrepreneurship has been about your willingness to learn, your willingness to take on challenges. Um, you're constantly going to school in public. You're constantly... So before I really had success as an entrepreneur, I was much more of a perfectionist. And I really thought that there was a... Um, you know, I thought that there were sort of clear pathways to success. So I think for me, it's been much more about the way that the primary way that it's impacted my parenting has been um, about being more uh, open to my kids making mistakes. Everybody says they're like, I'm going to let you make mistakes. And then you come down on them so hard when they do, like you judge that. I see parents doing this all the time. And so I think it's made me much more non-judgmental as a parent and much more like, what's the learning in this? Um, it's helped me more create a, a system of accountability. So like, I really don't baby my kids. You know, it's just constantly stepping back. You want more freedom? No problem. Take on more responsibility too, because those two things go hand in hand together, you know? Um and I think it's also been about um, really educating them about sales. <laughs> like, right? right? <laughs> That's the skill really, set that we all should have learned in high school. <laughs> we all should have learned. We all should have learned. So like, you know, when we, we got a sauna and we don't just get a sauna, like we will buy a container load of saunas from China. <laughs> Because you're going to sell the rest of them on the back end? Because we're going to sell the rest of them on the That's back end. That's right. We just can't not do stuff like that. Like, we just can't. We're like, why will we put this? Yeah. And so, like, we got these really awesome cards, these beautiful handmade cards for Vietnam because I needed, like, beautiful cards for my clients. And so then we got, like, masses of them. And so my younger son, like, sells them door to door and makes, like, he's making, like, $15 a card. Okay. And the cards cost us, like, two bucks each. But it's him going door to door to sell. And he's like, here's how I do it, mom. Like, here's my binder. And I always show them this card first and then this one second. <laughs> it's like, but to teaching them sales, teaching them like how to, you know, my older son, he was mowing lawns and um, two of the guys that he was, they had this little lawn mowing business. And two of them were like, um, they wanted to give this older lady a break on the pricing. And he's like, but why? <laughs> You know what I mean? Like she has the money. Like she had, you know, we love it. And I was like, there's no reason to not, you know what I mean? And I could hear it. And it was like such pride. <laughs> proud parenting so moments proud. right here. It's like, no, exactly. take that old you woman for all she's worth. Full price. Exactly. Full price. Oh my gosh. How about, yeah, that's how I feel. Like probably teach, making sure that they know about sales. What about money mindset? This is something that I think is so cool to like watch entrepreneurs raise kids. I've actually had quite yes. a few women in my programs who thought they couldn't get pregnant, get pregnant while they're in my program, which is like a whole weird thing. But when I have like, okay, so I have them in the program while they're pregnant. Yes. And so they're like listening yes. to all the mindset stuff and they're doing all the shifting yeah. while the baby's in the womb. Like I have a lot of like feelings because I feel very jealous of that, of like, I wish that I yes. had like good mindset when I was pregnant. And so like yes. watching them like grow, like I'm getting to watch baby unicorns like grow up. And oh so God, it's so very cute. interesting to think about like entrepreneurial influence into childhood mind, money mindset. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, yeah, it's uh, so a big thing is like ease and comfort with money. Yeah. Like money, it's just something you go out and make. Like it's not, you know what I mean? It's just, you go get it. 
um, it's not something where there's like this, um, like when I was growing up and before I really became an entrepreneur, really I started to understand how do you sell and how do you create good offers and all of that. I thought that money was something that was like controlled by other people. So there was this pot and there was a gatekeeper and then they give you the money, you know? And so it's very much like that versus what I see with my kids is they have different attitudes around how you spend money. They have different, you know, um, like that. But the um, the it's like this thing where it's just, it's something that you just, hey, if you need money, you just go make it. It's not hard. You know what I mean? It's just, you go get it. Like, that's just how money works. You just go get it. Um, not like it's this difficult thing. I think that's like one big thing that I see in them. Yeah. I like my kids to believe that like, all it takes is the intention, right? It's like, if you want money, yes. just go get it. Like it's it's not, it's not far away. It's not on this pedestal. It's not hard to make money. It's like, yeah, you got to do shit to make money, but like anybody yeah. can do it. Right. And like kind of making yes. that, that ease, like, I don't mean like ease, like what we were talking about at the beginning. Yeah, I mean, it's like, it's just natural. Yeah. Like if you want to get food, you go to the grocery store. If you want to get money, like you make, you make an offer and it's just that simple. My daughter does coaching calls sometimes. <laughs> For oh, my clients, so much. she'll put together like an offer. Like, I'm going to coach your clients for like $25 for 15 minutes. And I'm like, okay. And she like puts yeah. it into the Facebook group. Oh my God, so and people eat that shit up because my daughter is fucking ruthless. Yeah. <laughs> you want she, some cold she, hard truth? She's got that shit for you. Yeah. <laughs> it's back to the teens. They, they're not going to lie. Te- listen, hi- high school is hostile. And you know what else is hostile? The market. So she's probably the best. Markets are hostile. You know what I mean? When it's like humans are amazing, but the market people will not give you money if they don't want it. They will tell you, you know what I mean? Oh my God, it's so awesome. Oh my gosh. But they, the markets are like, it's, it's very much, it's not like that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, my daughter, my daughter is like Regina George. She's terrifying. She's like running the entire school. Like the teachers just do what she says because it's just easier. (laughs) Come on. on. Maybe you'll be in her highest ticket program one day. (laughs) For real. (laughs) For real. I wonder if she can make an offer now because I need a better coach. (laughs) I know. Maybe I'll join it too. I'll be like, oh yeah, hook me up. 25 bucks all day. Okay, so before we wrap this up, tell us a little bit about your coaching style and like how you specifically help your clients. Tell us all the special things. Oh yeah, cool. I mean, my coaching style is very much like I I relate. I really relate to like uh, sports coaches. You know what I mean? In the sense that it's like you got to win. Yeah, and you know when entrepreneurs come, that's what they want. They want to win. So we are like super um, hands on. We help in three core areas. So my whole stuff is like building a jewel business. And a jewel business is it's a company that grows at 30% year over year. You have 30% profitability and you have 30% open time. Either of those things could be bigger. You know what I mean? You could grow more than 30%. But I find, especially with women, having a clear target is very helpful. So first, we really teach you how to sell. That's in the jewel business sales school. Then we teach you how to create really good scalable offers in jewel business foundation. And then we help you scale out your systems and marketing and processes and the accelerator, the dual business accelerator. So they're really connected programs that kind of help you along that trajectory. My coaching style is um, people who love it are like, it's hard hitting truth telling with a ton of humor. 
Um, people who hate it, there's very, very few, but if they do hate it, they'll be like coaching. Yeah, sarcasm is not an effective coaching technique. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, but those people. Oh, but it is French. I know. So, <laughs> so it's, uh, you know, I just find like, first, I don't know about you, but I'm like, Listen, we're going to we're going to transform your life and your business. We're going to have a ton of fun together and I'm going to model to you what it looks like to have some swagger. To love what you do, to show up with confidence, to really, you know, we have to a lot of times, especially as women, we've got to see it. We've got to see an example and be like, "Okay, oh, okay. There that's an example of somebody who really owns what she does." So that's kind of how I worked. That's how I work with folks. That's what our coaching looks like. That's what we represent. Um, I'm super present in our programs. We have like an amazing team as well. But like I like to I like to touch the blocks, you know. So I'm definitely I'm definitely in there uh putting in the time on the court with my clients. Yeah. It sounds badass. Yeah. And sarcasm is extremely so effective. I don't care what you say. <laughs> it's super effective. It's if I can't talk effective. shit to you, like we're not gonna get anything done. <laughs> We're not, I know, like, you know what I mean? And it's good, exactly. And it just allows, like it allows, it creates the spirit of fun and like willingness to challenge, you know, and yeah. So that's, that's what I do. <laughs> the long and the short of it. All right, guys. Exactly. Well, if you, uh, I mean, this is one you could sit back and, and listen back to again um, and probably pull a whole <laughs> second layer of fucking ROI out of this one. So totally. you guys know the fucking drill. Take off your pants, right? Take off your pants. Sarcasm is is part of coaching. Like this shit is supposed to be fun. The reason you became an entrepreneur is so that you can say whatever the fuck you're thinking and not have to like deal with corporate fucking nonsense, right? Um, so Eleanor, thank you so much for like your very candid approach to, to life as it is. It was so fun. And for sharing all of these like behind the scenes fucking things with us. And so you are a motherfucking rock star. Are there any final thoughts to send to all of the money making unicorns for the day? Yeah, I think uh bring the swagger. Um, really know where you want to go and take some of the boring action every day to get there. Don't be boring. Allow a little bit of your work to be though. <laughs> If you need everything to be fucking sexy all the time, like you, you, it's not going to work. <laughs> it's not going to work. It's not going to work. Like we just can't even deal with it. Exactly. <laughs> all right, guys, get out there, do all of the motherfucking money making unicorn things, and we will catch you in the next episode. For more trouble, go to realunicornsdon'twearpants.com. Hit that subscribe button and remember hashtag fuck pants.